Hey guys, uh, I just want to take a minute to be a little serious and uh, address the audio issues from last episode, which I know were kind of a problem. And uh, that starts with me. And I just wanted to tell you guys, I am really going to focus this time. Uh, I'm really working hard at it. It's something I, I've kind of taught myself over the years, audio editing. So it's you know never been formally taught, but I promise you this episode is going to have no lost recordings, uh, no weird audio sounds, uh, definitely no hard cut. He is someone to watch. I'm right here, right now. And that is interesting. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's that's oh my goodness. Let's do it. I'm excited to hear this. I'm excited. Uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Hello and welcome back. This is episode 18 and today we are going to be talking about all the action from week five. There is so much to discuss from this week. We've got rookie quarterbacks taking snaps across the league. Skylar Thompson, Baylor, Bailey Zappi, Malik Willis, some big upsets. New York Giants over the Packers. Raiders almost got the Chiefs. A few last minute field goal wins. Uh, head coach got fired. See him at rule. And even a 30-plus point fantasy game from Taysom Hill, the man himself. We have obviously got a lot to discuss, so we'll start things off by quickly reviewing Alec and I's starts and sits from last week and see how they all went. Uh, we'll kick things off with the misses from last week, which we always do. And uh, this week, there were significantly less misses than last week. So I'm going to hang my hat on that one. Uh, Alec, wherever you are, hang your hat on that, sir. Uh, let's break these down, though. We'll start with the misses. The first miss is someone that Alec had on his list and someone that I endorsed heavily in the comments on offsides. And this dude just completely laid an egg on Thursday Night Football. Uh, the Indy secondary has now played three straight solid games against solid quarterbacks. And outside of Jacksonville, nobody has been able to do a lot of damage through the air against them. Uh, it's time to admit I was wrong about the Indy secondary and acknowledge that as of right now, this could change. But as of right now, they're playing some really good football. Uh, they should be proud of being able to turn what was a huge weakness last season into what is becoming a growing asset on this squad in that secondary. As for Russ himself, I had a conversation with one of you guys in the comments, really great conversation. Uh, and that person made the point that Russell just looks very uncomfortable in this Denver offense. And I agree. Uh, and it's hard to tell exactly where the source of that discomfort is. And I think it's a mix of three major factors. Uh, the degree to which each factor plays a role is kind of where I am unsure, though. Factor number one is, I think, kind of the most obvious one, which is just a general lack of time together with his new Denver teammates. Uh, that's probably responsible for some of these missed reads, some of these bad throws. Uh, probably miscommunication, lack of chemistry. We're used to seeing Russell Wilson with receivers that he knows quite well. Uh, this, to me, is the smallest concern for the Denver Broncos and for Russell Wilson himself because that will just come with time. It's going to take reps. It's going to take real game experience to develop that chemistry, to develop that feel between receiver and quarterback, which is so important. The second factor, though, is a little bit scarier, and that's a lack of confidence from Russell himself, which is something we don't usually see from Mr. Unlimited. Uh, he's missing throws and reads that he would simply never miss in Seattle. Uh, we've seen him over and under throw open players, like wide open players. 
Uh, he completely missed a potentially game-winning touchdown uh, on Thursday night to KJ Hamler at the end of the game. Uh, so bad it caused KJ Hamler to spike his helmet into the ground, and I can't blame him. I would also be really, really frustrated if I had lost out on that. Uh, he, I mean, Hamler did everything right and was wide open, and Wilson just completely missed him. Uh, and the last factor in that is Nathaniel Hackett, the new head coach. And this one is kind of the trickiest one of all because Hackett hasn't had much time to really do anything yet in Denver, but everything seems to have already taken a dramatic step back from last year, despite all of the offseason moves made to improve this team. It's just, as of right now, it's hard to trust Russell Wilson on a weekly basis with the play calling as bland and basic and vanilla as it has been so far from Nathaniel Hackett. Until the Broncos start to call some more exciting plays and open up this playbook, the blame, at least some of the blame, is going to have to rest firmly on Nathaniel Hackett and his offensive staff. Let's move on from the Broncos and their woeful, terrible, no good, very bad offense to an offense that's been one of the league's most electric so far this season. Miles Sanders was someone I said to start, and he has been playing a really solid role in that aforementioned electric offense. But after this week, I think it's one that just doesn't really lead to consistent fantasy success. With Jalen Hurts playing as dynamically as he is, it's just hard to trust Sanders on a week-to-week -week basis. He's very touchdown dependent since the rushing volume is split between him and Hurts. I think you have to treat Sanders like you would treat Damian Harris or Daryl Henderson Jr. And obviously Sanders has a higher floor than Harris and Henderson Jr. most of the time. But I think you kind of have to treat it the same way, where those guys are going to split carries with another running back. But in this case, that other running back is Jalen Hurts. Uh, you've got to pick your matchups well. You've really got to be aware of the potential complete lack for goal line touches for Miles Sanders. He's not going to get a lot of touchdowns with Jalen Hurts playing the way he is. Like, as long as Hurts can push into the end zone from under center anywhere from five yards out, it's hard for Miles Sanders to get that many touchdowns. Uh, I think you're going to end up kicking yourself watching Jalen Hurts run in repeatedly for touchdowns if you start Miles Sanders while he sits in that eye formation. Moving on, uh, let's talk about some of the hits from this week, starting with my biggest hit of the week, Jacoby Myers. Uh, Myers faced off against the Lions this week, and a stat I gave you guys was that the Lions have allowed at least 27 points in every game so far this year. That stayed true this week as the Patriots scored 29 against them and Myers was a huge part of that. Uh, he was backup quarterback Bailey Zapp Zappi's go-to guy all night long. Uh, he stacked up over 110 yards receiving, found his way into the end zone. He's definitely a start over these next few weeks. If you have him, he seems to be the most consistent weapon in the Patriots receiving court by a country mile. Uh, he missed some time coming into this game, but in his total three games this season, he's averaging nine targets a game and has a 74% catch rate. So I think you got to roll with him. He's just, they're throwing the ball Jacoby Myers' way. He's the most talented guy that they have as a receiver, uh, and they're going to use him. They just don't have a ton of weapons in New England outside of the running game. So really good opportunity for Myers to get a lot of volume. One player that I told you to steer clear of last week was Najee Harris, and it turned out to work out but I wanted to talk about it mostly for the part that I was a little wrong about. I think it was a bit early on raising alarms about Najee's receiving usage with Kenny Pickett under center as he did catch three passes this week. Uh, very little came of those catches, but they were there and they helped him tack on a few extra points for anyone unlucky enough to have started him. You need to be listening to this podcast, gotta pay better attention. 
Uh, most of this game can be attributed to the Steelers just being simply outclassed by a much better Bills team. Uh, obviously, the Steelers were never really in this one. But the real concern long-term, though, is Najee's complete and utter inefficiency this season. He has just one game where he's averaged more than four yards per carry, and his season average is just 3.2 yards per carry. He's not getting enough touches to make up for it either last year. Uh, he wasn't fantasy efficient last year. He wasn't efficient last year either, excuse me. But this year, he doesn't get the plethora of touches that they gave him last year because they couldn't pass with Ben Roethlisberger. So now, it's kind of a, it's a big problem for him that he's a completely inefficient running back because the Steelers need to pass to stay in games. Uh, and his inefficiency isn't just a problem as a rusher either. He's also remarkably inefficient as a receiver averaging just 4.9 yards per catch that's actually sort of impressive uh this was also a problem last year too to a lesser extent and it's hard to blame it on his offensive line which entered this game ranking 13th in line yards created so essentially like the push that they can get at the line they're doing a decent job of doing that better than league average Najee needs to find a way to get creative behind his offensive line and follow his blocks if he is to remain a top fantasy back. He also has to turn these receptions into positive yardage. He, It's hard to trust him to be efficient when he doesn't have any career history of doing it. Last year, 3.9 yards per carry and like 6 yards per reception. So, tough to trust Najee Harris going forward. Now let's go over some of the things that really stood out to me this week, uh, starting with a performance we mentioned back at the beginning of today's show, and that is Taysom Hill at tight end for the Saints, tight end slash quarterback, if you will. Uh, Hill has been up and down at times this season, but this week was a huge one for him. He hasn't played more than 30% of the snaps in any game this year for the Saints, but he remains one of the game's most unique players in terms of how he gets used and the number of things he can do well. Uh, he ran for over 100 yards on just nine carries and found the end zone three times as a rusher. Uh, he also slung a 22-yard touchdown pass, and all of that adds up to 34 points for fantasy, which was good for tight end number one until Travis Kelsey surpassed it and would have been good for quarterback number two, trailing only Josh Allen. Uh, as long as Winston is out, Hill has a super high ceiling, but he's one of the riskiest fantasy plays in any given week. If he doesn't break a big run or find the end zone more than once, he's usually good for 10 points or less. Uh, he's a great addition as a depth tight end in case you have to deal with injuries, but anytime you're starting Hill, you are gambling. Uh, I want to make that very clear. You are taking a very big gamble that he will have one of his breakout big games and run for a 70-yard touchdown. Uh, next up, we've got a rookie who was probably the most talked about rookie for fantasy this season, especially dynasty fantasy. Up to this week, he'd been a bit of a mixed bag in terms of usage and results, but Brees Hall arrived this week against the Dolphins. He turned in a 27-point game and totaled nearly 200 yards of offense, 100 as a receiver and 97 as a rusher, finding the end zone on the ground as well. His snap counts have gone up steadily from the 20s to the 40s in week 1 and 2 to over 50% in week 3 and now nearly 70% in weeks 3 and 4. Michael Carter owners beware as this has been the opposite case for him. Carter's usage has fallen from over 60% of the snaps in weeks 1 and 2 to less than 50% every other week. He was in the 40s this week. He did score two touchdowns but to save his fantasy stat line, but do not count on that on a weekly basis. This next player is someone that keeps coming up on this podcast, just keeps finding his way into the conversation, and he also found himself as wide receiver number one this week. 
Uh, Gabe Davis has found a nice little niche as the Bills resident deep threat. He's got wheels, he's got hands, and he's got the ability to win contested catches. Uh, in other words, he's the perfect guy to send running down the field while Josh Allen tries to throw the ball into orbit. Davis has been up and down for fantasy, and he's another guy that I think you have to use on a matchup basis. When the Bills face a secondary they're not afraid of, a la the Steelers, he's an absolute must-start, because Josh Allen just loves to go bombs away, and even just one of those plays working makes Gabe Davis a solid start for fantasy. That's six points right there if he gets a touchdown, and probably at least 12 if he gets a 40-yard touchdown. So that's huge for you. Next up, we've got a topic that pains me. But the Rams offense looks broken, and it's time we addressed it. They cannot move the ball through anyone other than Cooper Cup with any consistency, and that absolutely starts with their running game. They have been consistently unable to establish the line of scrimmage, which makes it impossible to start either of their running backs and makes life exceptionally hard on Matt Stafford. The Rams offensive line thrives off of play action, and that only works when defenses are scared of your running game and need to load up the box. When they aren't scared of the run, they can easily drop back in coverage and make life hard on Matt Stafford, especially when they have elite pass rushers like the Cowboys do. So is it the offensive line's fault? Yes, but not entirely. You also have to blame Cam Akers, who has been the league's least efficient running back and is spending an average of 2.88 seconds behind his own line of scrimmage on every run, a figure that ranks 12th worst in the league. So essentially, Akers is wasting time bouncing around behind the line of scrimmage because the offensive line can't get any push. Until this gets figured out, the Rams offense can't really get itself going, and this is the exact problem that hit them when Gurley started to slow down with his arthritis issues. As a Rams fan, I remember this vividly, the way our offense completely broke down and everyone attributed it to Goff, but it's really attributed to the running game. If we can't get the running game going, the run game is the heartbeat of the Rams offense. Uh, and to be honest, when, you, when it's not working, pardon a really bad pun here, but it just, the whole offense flatlines. Uh, we can't get anything going without our running backs being able to get consistent yards and the defense needing to stack the box to stop it. Uh, speaking of getting things going, I am about to get going myself. Uh, Y'all take care. Have a great week. I will see you back here on Thursday. Uh, same bad time, same bad station for our week six starts and sits. Uh, I am out of here. See you guys on Thursday. He is someone to watch. I'm right here, right now. And that is interesting. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's a that's oh a my goodness. Let's do it. I'm excited to hear this. I'm excited. Uh, let's go ahead and get into it.